Thanks for joining us for the Exchange Church Podcast. Here's this week's message from Pastor Trey Rose. Take a moment to welcome our online congregation all the way from Lake Cheney, Kansas, Meridian, Idaho, Idaho, Sandy, San Antonio. Come on, y'all can get more excited. Round Rock, Houston, Colleen, Pearland, Dell Valley, and Harlingen. We're so glad that you're with us today. Thank you for being here. Um, why don't you take a good 60 seconds, meet somebody new. There are a lot of new faces here today. So meet somebody new. Your next best friend is probably sitting next to you somewhere. And if not next best friend, they might buy your lunch today. So go ahead and meet somebody. And then you may be seated. guys are looking amazing today. So glad that you're here. We're in a series called Murder Mystery. And as you know, just over a week ago, approximately nine days ago, Jesus was nailed to a cross. Last week on Easter Sunday, we asked the question, who done it? Who's the murderer? And I proposed to you many um, options such as Judas, the Roman soldiers, the crowd, um, the disciples, you and your sin, me and mine. And we came to the conclusion at the end of the sermon that we are all found not guilty. You see, we have a debt that we could not pay, but he did. And today, a week after Easter, I hope that we've, it's not lost on us the excitement to know that the tomb is still empty. The grave has been robbed and death has been denied. And because of the sacrifice on the cross and the victory through the tomb, you and I have the freedom to walk in victory every single day of our life. Today, my sermon title is called The Missing Body. The Missing Body. And I'll get to my text in just a moment. But first, I want to introduce myself. My name is Trey Rose. And someone gave this to me. Uh, first service, and it's amazing. It's pretty long. Um, it's just my introduction, okay? Um, it just says who I am, tells all about me. You might be able to identify with some of these things, and uh, if so, take note as I'm talking. But my name is Trey. I am a party waiting to happen, baby. First Peter 1.8. Angels rejoice over me, demons flee from me, James 4, 7, and God himself dances over me with singing, Zephaniah 3, 17. I am the bearer of good news, Isaiah 52, 7, a minister of reconciliation, 2 Corinthians 5, 18, the carrier of the king of glory, Colossians 1, 27. I am the righteousness of Christ, 2 Corinthians 5, 21, and a temple of the Holy Spirit, 1 Corinthians 6, 19. I have an unction from the Holy One, and I know all things. Kids, I know all 
thinks, 1 John 2.20, look it up, it's there. I have the mind of Christ, 1 Corinthians 2.16. I am anointed by God, 1 John 2.27. And I was created by him for good works, Ephesians 2.10. I have favor with God, favor with man, and a good understanding, Luke 2.52. I am chosen by God, John 15.16, Ephesians 1.4. I have been sanctified through Christ, 1 Corinthians 6.11, and made truly holy. As Jesus is, so am I in this world, 1 John 4, 17. I am, I am always on God's mind. He thinks about me constantly, Psalm 139. Don't worry, there's room for you in his brain too. Even before the creation of the world, I was planned, Ephesians 1, 4. I am a child of the King, adopted into his family, Ephesians 1, 5. An heir in Christ, Romans 8, 17. Accepted in the beloved, Ephesians 1. I am blessed with every spiritual blessing in heavenly places, Ephesians 1. I lack no good thing, Psalm 34, 10. I have an abundance for every good work, 2 Corinthians. I was predestined by God for success. Somebody say success. Romans 8, 28, 30. You need to put that on your mirror. I am placed and seated with him, a king and priest, part of a chosen generation. I am a peculiar person. 1 Peter 2, 9. I am blessed coming in. And baby, I am blessed going out. Deuteronomy 28, 6. My family is blessed. My flock is blessed. Deuteronomy 28, 4. And everything I touch prospers. Deuteronomy 28, 8. I am the head and not the tail above the circumstances and not beneath them. Deuteronomy 28, 13. No weapon formed against me can prosper. Isaiah 54, 17. No plague can come near my dwelling, my house, or my body. Psalm 91, 10. And nothing can separate me from the love of God. Not angels or demons, not principalities or powers. Nothing in this world or out of it. Romans 8, 38 through 39. I am equipped with the full armor of God, Ephesians 6, 13, packed full of the Holy Ghost and with more than enough power inside me to raise the dead, Romans 8, 11. Heal the sick and cast out demons, Matthew 10, 1. My faith can move mountains, Mark 11, 23. My words contain life and death, Proverbs 18, 21. My life was bought at a price, Jesus covered it, 1 Corinthians, thank you, Jesus, 6, 20. My days are anointed and appointed, Psalm 139. My life is protected, angels in camp, around about me. Welcome. The creator of the universe, my dad, loves me with an everlasting love. Jeremiah 31.3. He is always with me. Hebrews 13.5. He can't stop thinking about me. Psalm 139.17. He knows everything about me, even the number of hairs on my head. He loves me anyway, Matthew 10, 30. His love for me is inescapable, insurmountable, and irrefutable. I am all around just plain awesome because my dad thinks so. My name is Trey. And you guys can take those as well. He thinks the same thing, even about you, Shane. He thinks you're just so awesome too, Shane. He really does. Jake, even, man, even you, in your nice little vest, in your, in your pink shirt, looking sharp today. He loves you, man. He thinks about you all the time. He even, he even likes those little earrings you're wearing. Like, he loves you. Like Caleb, Chase, Lily, Matthew, AJ, he loves you. He knows everything about you, Cheryl. He knows what goes on inside your mind, and you don't say it. And he loves you anyway. Isn't it so awesome just to be loved by the creator today? Can I get a good amen? 
Come on, people will let you down. Spouses will let you down. Your kids are going to let you down, but there is one person you can always rely on, and that's Jesus Christ, the author, the perfecter, and the finisher of your faith, who thinks, AJ, you are amazing, amazing. And so the ladies walked into the tomb. They were delivering spices, expecting the stone to be in front of the tomb, but the stone was rolled away. They got a little excited thinking, oh, I get to get closer to the body of Jesus and lay the spices closer to him to bless him. Not realizing that the moment they walk in, they're just going to see linens laying around. And we go to Luke chapter 24, 1 through 12. On the first day of the week, very early in the morning, the women took the spices they had prepared and went to the tomb. They found the stone rolled away from the tomb, but when they entered, they did not find the body of the Lord Jesus. While they were wondering about this, suddenly two men in clothes that gleamed like lightning stood beside them. In their fright, the women bowed down with their faces to the ground, but the men said to them, why do you look for the living among the dead? He is not here, he has risen. Remember how he told you while he was still with you in Galilee, the Son of Man must be delivered over to the hands of sinners, be crucified, and on the third day be raised again. Then they remembered his words. Isn't that funny? They didn't remember that Jesus said he was going to rise after three days. I mean, I think if Jesus had told me that, I wouldn't have forgotten. It's not like a grocery list. Like, honey, I forgot the milk. Are you with me? Jesus must have had a habit of saying some pretty ridiculous and audacious things for that to not stand apart from everything else. You, you know, like, he eats with tax collectors. He's breaking all the rules. We don't do that. He, he's talking to people of different nationalities that were breaking all the rules, Jesus. You can't, you can't do that. Wait. He's turning bread and fish to feed 5,000 just from, just from one little kid's pail. Like, Jesus, you're breaking all the rules. And Jesus said, on day three, that tomb's going to be empty. The angels had to remind them. And then they remembered the faithfulness of the Lord. And then they remembered the power of the Creator. And then they, they remembered that He just has a habit of messing the worldly systems up. Then they remembered. So the angels approach the ladies and tell them, chill out. Remember, this is what He's going to do. And when they came back from the tomb, they told all these things to the eleven and to all the others. It was Mary Magdalene, Joanna, Mary, the mother of James, and the others with them who told this to the apostles, but they did not believe the women because their words seemed like nonsense. Peter, however, got up and ran to the tomb. Bending over, he saw the strips of linen lying by themselves, and he went away wondering to himself what had happened. Father, bless your word today. In the remaining time that I have, I thank you so much for the stirring that I feel in my heart for the people in this service. God, you have a habit of bringing order to chaos. 
You have a habit of bringing healing to sickness. You have a habit of bringing wholeness to brokenness. So God, do what only you can do in this service today. In the name of Jesus, I ask that you would move among us, that there would be healings throughout this crowd, even as I'm preaching, even when they're not being called out or called down to the front, just healings, because where the presence of the Lord is, there are miracles. And God, let your miracles be made manifest among us today. In Jesus' name, I pray, let the church shout, amen, amen, amen. The body is missing. The Roman government immediately spread the rumor that Jesus' body had been stolen. But let me just tell you today, church, that man's denial does not change God's truth. They wanted the world to think, oh, the disciples came in and they stole the body. That way we couldn't say that Jesus rose from the dead. This was the first recorded evidence and example of fake news. It's fake news. They're trying to spread fake news because they don't want Jesus to have all the glory and all the power and the recognition and start the, the revival that he actually came to start. The body was missing. I hate missing things, by the way. I hate missing things. Yesterday we were driving back from some place in Texas and I don't remember the name of it. What was, it, it doesn't matter. It was two and a half hours away and we stayed there 45 minutes. So yeah, do the math. That's awesome. Five hours in the car for a 45 minute little stay at this museum. And so anyway, um, we're driving back and my phone was dead because I had used it for GPS and I needed to get back home because I had taken so many back roads. And so I said, Carrie, can I use your phone? And she's looking everywhere for her phone. And she goes, Trey, I don't know. I've been reading this book um, on herbs and gardening and I don't, I've not been on my phone. I think I left it at home. And I'm like, how are we going to get home? And suddenly from the back seat, one of my kids says, uh, Mom, your phone's in your lap. You ever thought something was missing and it's like right in front of your face? Yeah. Michaela has this, Michaela is my daughter. She is uh, on team here at the church and she has uh, great teeth. And <clears throat> she has great teeth because I paid for them. Braces at age 13, and a retainer. Now, here's the thing about retainers. If you lose them, you have to pay a retainer fee. <laughs> See what I did there, Nelson? You have to pay a retainer fee to get a new retainer. And it's annoying, especially when your kid is 13, 14, 12, and irresponsible. I mean, thank God she's beautiful because the girl was so irresponsible, I would have given her away years ago. And so she would lose the retainer nonstop. And we were in San Marcos, and we, we have this habit of going down to the outlets to do all of our school clothes shopping on tax-free weekend. We used to do that before everyone else decided to start doing that. But we would take our kids, and we would get clothes, you know, the year's worth of clothes, save a lot of money, and then um, we would eat lunch there. And so we were there eating at Taco Bell. And we ate at Taco Bell, get in the car, we're headed home from San Marcos. And Michaela says, oh, Dad, I love my retainer at Taco Bell. And I'm like, Michaela, this is the fourth time you've lost your retainer. We're going back. We're going back to Taco Bell, and we're going to find it. And so we drive back to Taco Bell, and we walk in, and there are people everywhere eating, and the trash is overflowing. And we look all over the tables, and where we were sitting, we couldn't find it. It wasn't on the floor. It wasn't on the table. Finally, Michaela says, Dad, I think I may have thrown it away. 
You go up and you ask that manager for gloves, and all of us are going to dig through this trash. Like, I am not too proud to dig through trash to get a retainer to save myself $200. Like, $200. I can can roll around on some trash for $200. You know what I'm saying? I'll come take out your trash for a month for $200. And so anyway, we're digging through the trash can, and we get to the bottom, and all these people are trying to enjoy their delicious Taco Bell food while we're going through the trash can, and we realize it's not in the trash can. It's not in either of the eight trash cans that we had through. And I said, Michaela, just one last time, go look in the car. She walks back to the car, comes back in with this little smile on her face, and she goes, it was in the car. I, had, I forgot I had taken it out before Taco Bell because I was eating goldfish, and it was on the floor. I don't remember this part because I only remember good, good parts of my life. But Michaela says, I didn't talk to her the whole ride home. And we had to roll the windows down to get the Taco Bell stench out of our clothes the whole way home. I hate missing things. I, I hate missing things. I hate even more when it's not missing, but I think it's missing. That's frustrating. That's frustrating when you think Jesus is missing, but he's not missing. You think he's not on the scene, but he is on the scene. You think that the grave swallowed him up and now he's gone, but he's alive and well and sitting on a throne and he's walking through things with you. He's not missing. He was just missing temporarily in that tomb. So why do we look for the living among the dead? Why is it that you and I are constantly trying to pilfer through dead things, hoping to find life in it? We, we, we just keep, we keep going back to the vomit, hoping that somehow something's going to be different this time. We look for the living among the dead, but also oftentimes we look for the dead among the living Many of you have called your marriage dead, but God says it's alive and well. Stop partnering with the philosophy that your marriage is dying and partner with the truth of God's word that says all things will work together for your good and nothing shall separate you from the love of Christ. And if you're in the love of Christ, you are in the love of commitment and covenant to your marriage and it will be better. We just have to start partnering with what can be rather than what is. We, we just want our marriage to be dead, I guess, because we partner with that philosophy so often and so much and so quick, and we're so quick to walk away, and we're so quick to say no to counseling, and we're so quick to blame the other person all the time and not take ownership of the situation ourselves. And guess what? What you don't take ownership of, you forfeit the right to fix. I don't have a key to your house. If I had a key to your house, you would probably... Love for me to show up to your house and clean it for you. Clean that tub that's not been cleaned in three months. I know, I know. Clean that tile, you know, that tile grout. Just so you know, that grout didn't come in black. (laughs) It was white 
at one time, or it was tan at one time. It takes a little bit of scrubbing and effort to clean up the mess, right? But I don't have the right to clean your home because you own the home. You have every right to put your key into the socket, turn it, walk in, turn off your alarm, tell your dogs to sit down, be quiet, go outside, go pee, whatever. Because it's your home. Some of you act like you have no control over the dead things in your life. Like, just life is just handing this to me. Or Satan's just doing this to me. Or that's my lot in life. The reality is that if no weapon formed against you shall prosper, then you have ownership over everything in your life. And the more that you say you don't own it, you can't fix it. You can't even give God permission to fix it for you if you don't take ownership that this is your domain to change. This is my domain to activate my faith and allow the Holy Spirit to do a work in my life. Why are we looking for the living among the dead? My son Jordan, is he in? Yeah, Jordan, run up here. Jordan plays drums for us. He's one of our drummers. Jordan has gotten tall very recently. And um, every time he walks up next to me, I stand up a little straighter. <laughs> Everybody should have a tall son because it fixes your posture really quick. You know? <laughs> and uh, so now that he's gotten taller than me, uh, he talks to me a little more confidently. <laughs> like if I say something and, and he, he is my favorite Jordan for sure. He's a great kid. So I'm not, I'm not picking on him. He's, he's actually one of our, I can't compare. He's great. I get in trouble with everyone else, but he's, he's great. We have five kids. He's, you are in the top five kids that I know. And, um, but sometimes I'll tell Jordan something and he won't do it. Or he'll, he'll do it on Jordan's time. You know how that goes? He's only done that once. Um, but I'll say, did you hear me? And just this past week, ooh, he says, yes. I said, boy, you know what? I said, um, you may be taller than me. And he wouldn't let me finish the sentence. Because he knew. He, he knew. He knows what I say is. <laughs> he, he knew what I was going to say. I was like, what am I going to say? Because you can still take me down. And I'm like, you're right. I can. These may be old muscles, but they got some experience you ain't got. Like, and so I'm talking to him. I'm like, Jordan, do you hear me? <laughs> Jordan's 15. He's turning 16. I hope you drive soon so you can get where you need to go. Thank you for being up here, man. I want to tell a story about you. I just wanted them to see you. Jordan uh, became my son when he was seven years old, and he was much shorter then. But even then, I knew he was going to grow up to be big. And, and Michaela used to pick on Jordan, and I would always say, hey, one day he's going to be taller than you, and you, you better hope that you put in some good money into the love bank so that he doesn't retaliate when he's bigger than you. And now she's like, he towers over her, but when he was seven... Michaela had $20. Now, Michaela was probably around 13 or 12, 
14 at the time, I'm not certain. Um, but she had $20, and $20 is a lot of money for a 13-year-old. Heck, $20 is a lot of money for me. Like, I've got two 20s in my back pocket, and I take them out every 30 minutes just to make sure I didn't lose them when I put my phone out. And so she had a $20 bill, and she came home from school one day, and she said, Dad, the $20 is missing. And I said, well, where was it? And, and she said, it was on my dresser, and it's totally gone. Now, keep in mind, we had just adopted three wonderful, amazing, beautiful kids that brought a lot of baggage with them into our home that we had to sift through, right? And so we called the kids in, and we're like, okay, we, we have a missing $20 bill. Where's the $20? And everyone's looking around, and Tristan is four years old. And he can't just say, I don't have it. He talks for 10 minutes and gets to the end of it, and you find out he doesn't have it. <laughs> and then um, Michaela obviously didn't have it because it was her money that got stolen. Addison said she didn't have it. I mean, she was 11. She could. I don't know. I look at Jordan, and he's just... Jordan, do you have the twenty dollars? Mm-hmm. Oh, oh, I found it. <laughs> I'm like, Jordan, you found it. Where did you find it? On the floor. Finders keepers. Where on the floor? In Michaela's room? <laughs> I said. Okay, just because something falls on the floor in someone else's room doesn't make it fair game for finders keepers. Like, <laughs> it's in her domain. She, she gets to borrow that room that I own. Do you know what I mean? It's her domain. He walked up and saw a 20, and he thought, oh, there's life in that 20. But the reality is that 20 was a dead thing to him. It should have been a dead thing to him. Instead, he saw life in what was already dead or not for him. Some of us have Bluebell in our freezer. Mm. I don't. I, I don't think we do, actually. We have Halo Top because it's healthy. So I've stopped eating ice cream. <laughs> the reality is, though, if I have four gallons of sweet, sweet bluebell cream from heaven in my freezer, and I get a bowl every night while I'm sitting down watching news, watching TV, watching Netflix, watching Bondi Rescue, watching whatever it is that I want to watch on TV, I can't be surprised when I don't find health fitness in my habits and actions. Many of us are trying to find living things in dead actions, living things in dead habits. If you want living communication with your family and your friends, you can't just ignore people when they talk to you. You can't just hold on to your inner thoughts and feel like you're somehow superior because you're in control of the situation and you don't want them to know what you're thinking. That gives you some sense of control and ownership. Then don't be surprised when the relationship fractures because we're looking for living things among the dead. 
living things among the dead. Point number one, I'm out of time. So this message was pointless. It's a joke. I said I, I haven't gotten to my points yet. So the message pointless. Y'all instantly felt bad for me. Do you believe that I would believe the message is pointless? That makes me feel terrible now. I have a little more confidence in that, church. All right, point number one, come and see, come and see. Some of us need to take inventory of, and for lack of a better word, I'm going to say tomb in our life. The tomb. To me, a tomb is not a place of death. It's a place of resurrection. And there are areas in our life that we need to consider. What, what in the tomb is dead that needs to stay dead or we need to release so that the dead things can be far from us? But then ask ourselves the alternate question. What is that thing in our life that's on life support that we've already determined it's dead, but the Lord is saying you need to align the power of your words and speak life into that which he wants alive in your life? Do you know the Lord wants you to have confidence? The Lord wants you to have a good self-image. The Lord wants you to be forgiving towards people be gracious towards people. The Lord wants you to be honest. The Lord wants you to have healthy relationships. Find all these things the Lord wants in your life and then speak life into them regardless of how it looks in the current moment. The other day, last week, Carrie and I and the kids went to the Wilder's house. Jeff is beating cancer and Jennifer was at work and the kids were home. I think it was on Good Friday. And we planted a garden for them. And my wife is, is a great gardener. She's learned how to do all of that and done research and whatever. Um, she loves it. She feels like that out in the garden is her time with Jesus. And I, I hate gardening, so I'm, I'm totally fine with her spending alone time with Jesus in the garden. Um, I just stay in the house, check in on her every now and then. Hey, do you and Jesus need a glass of tea or something, you know? Um, but we went over to the Wilders and we put in a garden and we wanted them to, and, and they wanted to start just eating healthy things, you know, fresh herbs, fresh plants, fresh uh, veggies. And, and so we got a manageable garden for them, put that in, had a tomato tree and a tomato tree and Carrie planted it. And she knelt down and Jeff was out there with us and she said, Jeff, let me show you something. She goes, see all these branches at the bottom of this? I don't even know the parts of a plant. It's called a uh, stem. Yeah, right. At the bottom of the stem, there are more branches that come out of that. And they're alive and they're green and they're growing, but you got to pick them off. Pick them off all the way up to about half the height of the little shrub. Because then it will cause what remains to have a greater harvest and flourish even more. Because what will happen is the tomato plant will send all of its nutrients and water and all the stuff that a plant does to make it thrive and to flourish. It'll be spread out between more branches that don't matter. 
right? Good branches, branches that might even be alive, but branches that won't contribute long-term to the harvest of that plant. That's what pruning is. Pruning is having the courage sometimes to remove the good things, the good things that aren't God things, but are good things. You know, like, maybe spending a little too much time on your Netflix series. Maybe spending a little too much time not talking to your kids and letting your kids go play with neighbor kids for so long that it, it doesn't allow you to build and establish a relationship with them. And your voice is diminished because you've allowed other people to speak into your kids more than you have, right? It's good for your friends or your kids to have friends. That's a good thing. But there's always a higher calling and a higher purpose. And sometimes there is pruning and pruning hurts, like removing things that are living and removing things that are dead. It hurts. But it's necessary if you want to produce a greater harvest. You know, the interesting thing about dead things, they don't have feelings. Do you know that? Dead things can't feel, only living things can feel. And sometimes what will happen is if we allow a dead thing to remain in our life for too long, we become so desensitized to it that we gloss over what, where there once was pain and there once was feeling because it was a living thing that was dying and you could sense that transition into death. But once it was dead, you've allowed it now to stay there in your life for so long that now it's compromising the healthy parts of you. When my kids would twist an ankle, when they were growing up, I would always say, don't put too much pressure on your good ankle because you'll be tempted to not use the twisted ankle, but you're going to create too much stress on the good ankle and it's going to be put at risk for being injured as well. You see, the dead things in our life compromise the living things in our life. And so I want to maybe extend an offer to you today just to hear from the Holy Spirit and decide what are some things in your life that maybe are dead, that it's time for him just to allow you to release that, for you to say, I'm just going to release this, or the things that are on life support, and you're going to partner with what God wants to say in those things. We have an incredible program here called Renewal. And we've actually, um, over the last couple of weeks, decided as a team that we're, we're focusing we're going to put a little more pressure on renewal, a little more promotion on renewal because we've seen so much success in it. Um, and I, I'm afraid that you guys don't even know that that's something that is here for you and available for you. How many of you here actually have gone through renewal and loved it and it helped you? Uh, there was some kind of restoration that took place. Raise your hand. Hi. Hi. Okay. Uh, could you stand to your feet if you've done that, taken that? If you can't stand to your feet. So in renewal, um, in renewal, we basically go through unforgiveness, uh, releasing things, bitterness from the past. We go through soul ties, things that we have allowed our soul to align uh, that are not God things or godly things. Um, what else, baby? Generational weaknesses. That's right. We had a, a great story from uh, Cheryl Biggs. I kind of messed it up in first service, but I... I got corrected, and I'm going to say it right this time. And um, 
and, and Cheryl's renewal, there was a generational weakness where a certain time every year she was find, getting the same sickness, the same illness. And we went back and traced it to certain, you know, we were talking about her family line. And, you know, when you see things kind of go through your family line, there's something often more spiritual to it than just simply a genetic malfunction. And so we actually, I've said actually so many times, maybe you can describe the story, Carrie, grab a mic. She was having like some of the health, she could probably describe it even better. You want me to come up there? Yes, please. She was having some um, health problems and it was like regularly, if I'm remembering correctly, Cheryl, like regularly every year around a certain time. And we were going through the renewal program and we found that there was this bondage um, through her generational line that um, she was not even aware of. And the symptoms of it had to do with these illnesses that she was experiencing. And so when we, when we, when we were aware of that, I was like, oh my gosh. And so we just prayed and we broke that bondage over her life. And then she just really felt set free from that and just felt different and felt alive and more healthy than ever before. And, and God has really touched her. One of, one of the symptoms was not being able to breathe. She was really having trouble breathing. And um, that was one of the symptoms of this bondage that had come down through the generations. And so it was really amazing to see God do that in her life. I think it's incredible that you can even address physical issues through the spirit realm. And it's just, it's so phenomenal. Who's on your team? These, these people have gone through the program, but currently on your team, it's you, John, Josh, Dana, John Leggett, Josh and Dana, Dinan, Cheryl, Cheryl. Who am I forgetting? I, I don't remember. I think that's it right now. But you will have, if, if you sign up for something like this, uh, you could have one session, two sessions, three sessions, or a year's worth of sessions. It's individually it's different. Yeah, it's different, different for everybody. We've had people go through the program and take a year, year and a half, and then we've had people go through the program and maybe they met for three sessions. And so we just kind of walk through your background, you know, just struggles that you're facing. If you find that, you know, you love God and God loves you, but there's this one area in your life that you can't seem to get past, some kind of bondage, struggle, whatever it might be, that's a good indication that there's a stronghold there that needs to be broken, and we can help walk you through that. And it's just an amazing, beautiful thing. It really strengthens your identity in Christ, really helps you know who you are as a son and daughter. And I think that's like the most beautiful, important thing of the whole program. And so I just encourage you, I think personally, I think everybody should do it. Um, It's just an amazing thing. Awesome. So if you want to do that, you want to sign up, you can just connect online with us, go to our website or information desk or on your connection card. Uh, We would love to have you do that. Everyone that's standing and has been through renewal, would you join me at the front and help us as we pray for people today? In addition, if uh, maybe you've not been through renewal, but you're on our prophetic team, if you would join us at the front as well. So here's your challenge. We're going to get the keys up in this place, fill the room with the volume. And uh, I want you to be able to just hear Holy Spirit. And I'm going to ask Holy Spirit to reveal to you um, what is that dead thing? Just one, just one, one dead thing in your life that it's time to just release it and allow the Lord to bring healing and uproot that uh, from your spirit, from your heart. Or maybe you have something that you've called dead and the Lord is calling you to speak life into it. 
I'm gonna ask the Holy Spirit to reveal that to you. And as you hear something from Holy Spirit, I want you to stand to your feet and come up to the front. Our team will pray with you. They're gonna prophesy over you, uh, just speaking life and partnering with what you believe Holy Spirit has told you. Everyone understand? So we're gonna take a moment. You're gonna hear from Holy Spirit. Then when you do, you're gonna come up to the front and they're gonna pray with you on that specific thing. So Holy Spirit, come right now and speak to us. Reveal to us the dead things in our life or the thing on life support that you want us to speak life over. And we're gonna sit and listen and wait on you. Oh Jesus, we just love you so much and thank you so much for loving us so much. And I just ask, I ask Father that you would seal these words one final time that we just stand knowing that you are for us. We just stand knowing that you are working in us and working through us, and you've already done a work for us. And so God, in Jesus' name, seal this sermon. In Jesus' name I pray, amen, amen, amen. Can we give Jesus a hand clap? Thank you for joining us today. We would love to hear how God is moving in your life. Share your story by visiting theexchangechurch.org and click on connect to contact us.